and welcome to Red Latam Podcast from Red's Mexico team. My name is Sochi Herrera. I am the head of the Mexican news team. Today, we'll discuss national oil company Petróleos Mexicanos, also known as Pemex, and its funding outlook for the next couple of years, along with the rest of the regional peers. It's late January today, and Ecopetrol recently issued a $2 billion, 8.875% bond due in 2033, which came at 99.187 to yield 9%. To talk about this, we have Nimia Almeida, Senior Vice President at Moody's and Lead Analyst for the Oil and Gas Sector in Latin America. Nimia, welcome. Thank you so much, Sacho, for bringing me to your spectacular podcast. Thank you. So let's jump right in. We were discussing before this podcast about funding conditions, and I would like to ask your opinion on how well is Pemex able to meet debt payments this year, 2023, and in 2024, including interest payments and amortization. We're talking about $16 billion, right? So what's your view on this, on their ability to pay that? Yeah, no, this is the, the, the most important question for, um, actually, I would say for the country uh, in 2023, 2024, because this um, these payments, I mean, we focus very much on the debt that is like the, the, the principal. So we focus on the $8 billion dollars. Uh, $9 billion approximately that is maturing annually in 23 and 24. Uh, interest, I mean, the company, the operations should be able to pay costs, you know, everything, including interest. Interest is part of the cost of operating a company, right? I mean, the cost of using capital to operate a company. So if, we, if we're going to put aside in interest, we also have to put aside pension, Uh, obligations. We also have to put aside everything else, right, that the company has mm -hmm. to pay. But uh, regarding the maturities, why they are so important? Because they have an obligation with the financial markets um, to pay back the money that financial markets lend to them. So this is very, very important. If you default on the payment, uh, you, you're going to bring down with you, not only the company itself, but it may even bring down with you the government of Mexico. The sovereign. Right? Because the sovereign is the 100% owner of this company. And although they don't guarantee the debt, they have a uh, reputational uh, uh, interest in supporting the company. And also not only reputation, they have, you know, this is an energy company. It's very, very important for the, the whole country, for the whole economy. So, Uh, how can they pay the debt? Um, I think that what they are trying to do is to refinance, right? They have been doing this, uh, refinancing the debt. They have been trying to do this, but mostly in the last few years, the government has been the one kind of paying the bill. The reason being the negative free cash flow that the company generates, so they don't have enough cash flow to pay for these obligations. And there are, see, there's always a why and why, why. The why they, are, they don't have the resources, basically because they are um, increasing the production of derivatives of petroleum, gasoline and diesel, and these um, are being produced at a loss. They are produced at a loss, not only in terms of uh, cost of production, But everything else, again, that a company needs to pay salaries, uh, uh, of course, in, in maintenance of those assets, et cetera, that the company is not able to cover with the revenues that it collects from these, um, the sale of gasoline and diesel, et cetera. So uh, basically, we're talking about the, the business uh, strategy of the company. 
So mm -hmm. what we assume at Moody's is that the government will continue to support the company. They have the, the best interest of the company uh, to its core. And the question is how much the company will need. And mm -hmm. how much the company will need depends on oil prices and depends on uh, how much they produce in oil and how much they produce in gasoline and diesel. It's a big question. We are just right now updating our projections uh, to, to see how much the government would need to give. But anyway, I think the, the, the basic assumption is that either the company adjusts its uh, strategy to need less money or mm -hmm. the government will should be the less resource to the company to 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 help it pay uh, the debt that is maturing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this will depend on if they continue their strategy, and it seems they will, to become self-sufficient in in gasoline or their goal to become self-sufficient in diesel, right? That's right. That's right. With all okay. the implications that it has, right? I mean, um, less or not adequate investment in inspiration production where the is the where the company makes money uh, a lot of money mm -hmm. okay so you just said that you're updating your estimates but do you have a, an estimate or an idea of how much cash will pemex burn in the next couple of years with their stated strategy of becoming self-sufficient? Yeah, so I think that in the last few years, negative free cash flow has been, uh, especially in the last two years, has been enormous. So mm -hmm. we think that in 2023 and it should be lower um, mm -hmm. because the losses in downstream should be smaller, basically because oil prices are gonna be smaller. So we are assuming that those brokers will not start, uh, you know, selling anything in 2023. It should be selling something in 2024. So, and that the, the, the operations of those brokers or, or, or Mecca, the Vipinariero or Mecca, could be, you know, still generate negative free cash flow because mm -hmm. the, the beginning of operations is usually uh, very expensive and, and the, the volumes are very, very low. Usually that doesn't compensate the costs. But because the oil prices should be lower than 2022, technically the company would be burning less cash in downstream uh, because oil prices, uh, the oil is a, is a cost, right, for the refining business. And then the, the need would be smaller. So let's, I, I mean, it, it's still, as I said, it's still working on this. Somewhere around $10 billion should be, you know, a... a, a per maybe, year. Yes, per year mm -hmm. uh, in, in negative free cash flow. So again, but that, the company has some control on this because if they reduce... Usually what we saw in last last several years is that the more the, the company imports oil and gas, uh, sorry, uh, gasoline, gas exactly. Mm -hmm. And the less it produces, the less losses they make. They're so, terribly inefficient yeah. at producing their own gasoline. <laughs> and so you're thinking about Dos Bocas or considering that Dos Bocas is not going to ramp up. What about Deer Park? Is that part of the equation? Right now? Well, Deer Park, yes, it is. And Deer Park, we used to to rate the company from our New York office. So we know a little bit. What we understand is that the, the, the company is much more efficient uh, than the ones that we have in Mexico. They have to sell at arm's length. 
meaning that whatever they sell, they have to sell it at, a, at, a, at a market prices. They cannot mm -hmm. sell it at a discount to anybody, including uh, Mexico or Pemex or whomever. So they should be uh, uh, profitable and they should be contributing. They contributed so far in 2022. They should contribute in, in, in the next years as well to, to the profitability of the company. So I think it is, it is a positive. Um, mm -hmm. To, I mean, if you if you think in the medium term, the, the short to medium term, yes, it's positive. But if you think about the future of the industry in terms of energy transition, etc., carbon transition, it, it, we we would have maybe another opinion. But from mm -hmm. the time for the time being, it is positive that they have Deer Park. Right, as long as they continue into operating as an independent subsidiary and selling to the best possible bidder, right? Not Correct. selling directly yes. to Mexico. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned carbon transition. So in the medium term, you know, the view on, on refineries could change. What is your view on Pemex ESG strategy? They announced a new committee a few weeks ago, but we haven't seen a lot of progress in this area. And we recently learned that they burnt $340 million worth of gas. You know, they flared um, that much worth of gas in one of their allegedly key projects, which is Keski. So what is your view on their ESG strategy? Yeah, uh, the ESG is like E, S, and G. And we, we have an opinion on the three of these letters, right? In terms mm -hmm. of environmental risk, this is, this is a working process. So between what the countries have been promising and governments in general around the globe and companies, all types of companies, and in particular oil and gas companies, they, they all seem to have already at least some uh, KPIs that they're going to follow and try to monitor and try to improve the, the, the impact on the environment, which is good. But companies are in different stages um, in, these, in this process. Um, what we see in Latin America is that, at least in Latin America, but maybe around the globe, uh, Pemex has, is, is the last one, the last kid on the block, basically, on promising uh, reductions of emissions and, and, and promising to monitor these uh, indicators uh, closely, et cetera. In terms of how much they invest in, in environmental products, uh, projects also, the other companies that we follow in the, in, the, in, the, in the region, they have bigger amounts of um, uh, uh, capital uh, assigned to these projects, or they have even better, they have a clear vision of what they're going to be in the future. Not everybody, so I would like to use Ecopetrol, for instance, that's about 20% of the EBITDA already comes from power business, mm -hmm. which its power business is investing a lot in renewables in the region. So they, they kind of have a path there in terms of reducing carbon footprint of the company. Petrobras, it's, uh, they, they are starting this now. They do have metrics much more, uh, um, and they, they are delivering in terms of emissions and accidents, everything that is related to, to the environment. But um, they may start in investing in renewables now under the new administration in Brazil. So they have mm -hmm. a, a stronger view of the impact on in, in the environment. But we don't see that as clear as in Pemex. So uh, what we see, as you, what you said, some news about um, damages to the environment from time to time, a lot of accidents, not only um, in 
the risk is high anyway in the industry, but I think we have a higher number of accidents in Pemex than we have in other uh, similar companies in the in the globe uh, and in the region. So I think that having a committee is nice. It's very good. I think that having metrics to follow is very good, but we're going to start to monitor the results, right? Uh, we need to see results and compare those. This is an evolving process across the globe as well. Everybody's trying to see this in a different way and um, measure in a different way. It's very difficult for everybody to have a consensus yet. Uh, we may have like the SEC in the US or the, the IFRS bring some, some, you know, some light here and do some standardization of how to monitor these uh, variables. But we need to start seeing more results. And, um, and I think that's the, the key issue for uh, the whole industry, but especially for Pemex. I think they are a little bit delayed uh, yeah. in, in, in the, behind in that process. And that's in the environmental part. Do you see them any better off than the peers in the social and governance uh, aspects? No. No, 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 no. They, they, they all have issues with, um, you know, population trying to, to stop some operations or asking for more uh, payback for having that kind of uh, business in their in their regions, etc. But we also talk about suppliers, right? It's uh, it's not only the the society as well. The the whole uh, uh, production chain, the impact of the production chain in the cities, in, in whatever the geographies where they operate, it's it's very important as well. So no, um, I think the impact again for the accidents is is high. Uh, suppliers also, I mean, the, how they treat suppliers, it has been an issue for many, many, many years, actually. It's not new. Um, and in terms of governance, uh, there is still, I think, a lot of uh, improvements to, to be done in transparency. And also, um, again, giving results in many of the promises to uh, increase production or reduce that or all these promises that we have been hearing into for many years that are not um, delivered as well as uh, we would mm -hmm. have, have expected. Yes, it's important to note that it's not just this federal administration which has um, not progressed or failed to, to show progress on, on these three key aspects, right? So given that all of this, you know, that there are ES that they're behind on E and S and G and high rates. How would you compare Pemex's funding options right now or in the next year, couple of years with Ecopetrol, Petrobras or other companies in the region? It's, it's so interesting because for instance, Ecopetrol, it is a company that is in an investment grade country. It, has, it is much smaller, but it has much less debt. Um, so I think the at, at the end of last year, the debt to EBITDA is going to be 1.5 times. I mean, really, really, really small. They do have other problems. They have liquidity problems. They, they have accounts receivables from the government in terms of subsidies that the government needs to pay. So they have kind of a, a mismatch there between the, what they book as revenues and how much they collect because of the subsidies. But uh, this is a public policy and, and the government has recognized that they may need to pay and, the, and, and they are paying 
and they're doing some schemes with uh, balancing dividends with subsidies. But uh, but there, um, the company is much stronger in terms of balance sheet. And they just yield, as you said, right? They just, they, they just uh, sold some notes in, in the beginning of the year, $2 billion. They had a, a demand for $6 billion of those uh, bonds, 10-year. I think it was actually... Uh, Considering the circumstances in the capital markets, it wasn't a bad deal at all. And in terms of Petrobras, Petrobras, it's it's uh, it's crazy because they are high yield because basically because they are in a high yield country. Mm-hmm. The, the the company could be investment grade if they were in an investment uh, grade country. They are the number one producers of oil uh, and gas today, the equivalent uh, of 2.6 uh, million barrels per day. And this compares with 2.2 for Pemex, 2.23 sometimes. Um, so this is including gas, natural gas. But they have less, I mean, they have about half of the debt that Pemex has. So uh, they're producing more and they have less debt. So, and they have um, committed facilities, about $9 billion in committed facilities. If Even if the markets close for Petrobras, they have plenty of access to, to credit from their banks mm-hmm. to refinance that in case of need. So I think here mm-hmm. the problem is that Pemex doesn't have these committed facilities. They, they would have to pay, you know, most probably a high interest rate if they mm-hmm. needed to tap the markets. And um, they would, on top of everything, depend on the government because I don't think they could uh, issue so much money without paying a very, very high interest rate, which is negative, right? Because they would have, um, this is about $8 billion, as you said, I think, in the beginning of the call, $8 billion in interest expenses mm-hmm. annually. So it is is a lot of money already in interest, and that would be, um, at these market conditions, at, at more expensive uh, for the company. At so, a double-digit rate, do you think? It could be. I think mm-hmm. some of the, the bonds are already trading at double digits today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it could be. In the in the context also of the ESG risk that you, we, are, we are talking mm-hmm. about, right? I mean, it's not only the, the credit profile of the company, which is, uh, is uh, bad, or weak, mm-hmm. but also in the context of ESG, like um, um, what are the the actions that they're gonna take, and um, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, all the, the, the comparing with others in the industry, it's not only Pemex by itself, but compared to others, I think they, as you said, we we, we are a little bit behind here. Mm-hmm. One of the important things about not about being behind in terms of ESG means that a lot of funds can't participate or are not willing to participate. So the pool of investors is smaller and the investors knowing that will demand a higher rate or a better yield, no? That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of Petrobras, which seems to be the opposite of Pemex in the sense that it's a company that its sovereign is maybe dragging it down a little bit and here it's the other way around. Um, Could the return of Lula to, to Brazil impact the progress Petrobras investors have seen in the last few years? Because Petrobras used to be the world's most leveraged company in 2015. And, you know, that is now Pemex. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Pemex, I mean, the Lava Jato and the car wash scandal 
Mm-hmm. It was awful, really awful. And but the company improved so much after that. So going forward, I mean, the, the balance sheet, as we said, is very strong, and they are focusing on exploration and production. They were trying to reduce the exposure to downstream. Um, now I think what we expect is that. Selling assets is going to be a little bit more difficult because Lula is clearly not in favor of um, reducing the size of the company in in downstream. Actually, he wants to increase uh, downstream uh, production as well. So, yeah, a number of changes that we expect. Number one, the company used to sell smaller EMP assets. Uh, those assets that were not so uh, important for the for the portfolio of assets and and uh, uh, less productive. Uh, they would sell those to smaller companies. So maybe that will be a little bit uh, um, less active. And also the sale of the refineries. They they had a program to sell another four refineries, and that may be uh, stopped. So I think that if they keep things as they are, the company could still, uh, you know, they don't have to sell any assets to pay that anymore. So that's the bulk of the assets that they sold was to pay down that. So they don't have to do that anymore. Um, and if they continue to have prices uh, linked to international parity, you know, mm-hmm. at least they can pass through the costs of uh, oil and gas, oil in particular, to the to the final prices, and that would be kind of status quo for the company. Uh, having said that, I believe that Lula has a stronger uh, or more robust program for carbon transition. It could be that a company would start investing in renewables or something related to, you know, um, to carbon transition projects. So we, we, we have to wait and see how Petrobras will change under the new government, uh, given all these different um, agendas, not mm-hmm. only for oil and gas, but also for renewables. Mm-hmm. And what would you most like to see? I mean, this is what you're expecting, but what would be best for Petrobras from a credit perspective? No intervention from the government, Right. And as much as they can do their business and make sure that they are profitable, um, be managed as a you know productive company that has to to pay their bills and do whatever it's best for the benefit of shareholders, including the government. Uh, so that would be the best. And they have proved that they can do that. So mm-hmm. it's not that they they don't need to promise anything. They just need to do, keep doing whatever they are doing. So that, I think that would be the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And about Ecopetrol, what is your your medium or your long term medium, let's say, term view on them? Seeing that they're trying to become an oil company, and you mentioned that twenty percent of their of their EBITDA is related to power, right? Which includes renewables. Yeah. yeah so I, Colombia has another set of problems, which is also um, a, a new. They do have a, a, a new government as well. They are trying to figure out how to get away or to reduce the exposure on oil and gas industry in the country. The the the, the, the government depends about 15, 17% of the fiscal revenue comes from the energy uh, sector, but they don't like the impact of the industry in the environment. So they are still figuring out how to transition faster, uh, faster transition to lower uh, carbon footprint. And that could have an impact on the industry in terms of uh, licenses to to explore, um, et cetera. So 
from what they have right now in terms of assets and permits, they are okay. I mean, all companies in, in, in Colombia, they, they have enough assets to continue to explore and permits and replace their production. But I think we have to, to pay attention there as well um, on how this is going to evolve. My base case is that the industry is so important for the government, they, they will have to do this in a, in a more, you know, paced uh, level so they can support the industry while everybody changes towards uh, a, a less impactful industry. So I think this, they're going to be basically, I'm saying that they're going to be rational about it. Mm-hmm. it yes. Be rational about it. Yeah. Fiscal revenue is very important in the short term. So they need to space it out, as you said. Exactly. Okay, yeah. great. Um, final thoughts, any, any um, wrap up? that you would like to offer or anything that we missed on, on one of these three large companies? No, I think that um, the industry for in 2023 should be pretty much stable in the sense that even if they are going to uh, have lower revenues because lower uh, they're going to have lower prices most probably this year than we had last year, um, mm-hmm. these companies, most of them, not Pemex, but most of them were paying dividends. So in terms of uh, capital structure, they should remain stable. Uh, they should pay less dividends, you know, and, but in terms of CapEx, I don't see anything crazy in terms of CapEx. There are some adjustments in terms of ESG that they, they are looking forward to do. I think the new governments are going to bring some new ideas. But um, in general, I think the, the credit quality of these companies should remain stable. This is not good for Pemex because stable is bad, right? In the case of mm-hmm. Pemex, I don't think they're going to get worse, which is, I think, in this environment of inflation, high interest rates, etc., it's not so bad. We'll take what we can get. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, as you said, in this environment, not worsening is going to be a win. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nimia. And thank you to our listeners for, for joining, for tuning in. And um, we'll see you next time. This has been Red Talks. Thank you.